Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Oh, okay. Let's try that again. Y'all can't be giving them better attention than I get. Let's try. Victory Church, good morning. How are you doing? There we go. There we go. Hey, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you are visiting with us, as Brian and Zenobia said, we would love for you to reach out and grab one of those connection cards or, or do it online. And so that we can do our best to get you connected. I, I think one of the best things about Sunday church is the community. It's the family. So being able to link you up with a group of people that think like you and, and act like you and talk like you and walk like you kind of help you find your tribe. And so that when you walk in on Sunday mornings, you know people. It's not just one of those things where you feel like a stranger. We want to help you feel like family. Uh, one of the things we do have coming up for those of you that are new, you've been coming for uh, since January, or maybe you're new today, on May 16th, it's the Tuesday after Mother's Day, we're going to meet up here uh, for anybody who's, again, been visiting, maybe you're visiting today, or you've been coming since the January time frame. And what that's going to look like, we're going to provide food, but the other aspect of it is that Darla and I and some of our lead team, we're going to be able to be there just to answer questions. We can talk a little bit about the past of the church, the history of the church, the present of the church, and the future and where we're going. And so we just want to have that intimate time. We don't have that kind of time always on Sundays. And so we want to just be available to you to answer questions and to help you again, get connected to victory. So if you've been visiting since January, um, or if you're visiting today, do us a favor and, and plan to be at that meeting May 16th, right here at Victory Church. I always like to take a moment and say thank you to all of those that give financially to victory through tithing and through offering. And we always are doing something outside of the four walls. And we do we take as much time as we can to talk about that on Sundays. But I'm going to flip the script today and talk about something we're doing inside the four walls next Sunday. We are going to be celebrating the ladies of the church. Come on. Where you at, ladies? Uh, the day is going to be special. So what's going to happen? Both services, we'll have a guest speaker. Darla Powell will be bringing the word. She's excited. She's pumped. Uh, we're going to have some treats for everybody, as well as a special gift for every lady, a photo booth. So it's just going to be a great time to honor you. So we want to encourage you to bring your moms, your aunties, your grandmas, your sisters, your daughters, whatever. Come in the house. Be here for all of our friends that watch online. If you can, be here present so that we can celebrate you and honor you and worship together. Amen? Hey, if you got your Bibles, do me a favor, open to John chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 14. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, you can look in the screen behind me. You can also follow along on our app, which will have all the sermon notes from today's sermons. As you're turning to John chapter 14, we'll start reading at verse 15. But I wanted to give you a little bit of context of the series that we're in. We're in a series called Following Jesus. And we're, we're talking about what it looks like to daily be a disciple of Jesus in our current culture. And so Easter, we gathered and we had packed houses as we celebrated the resurrection of our Savior. And then we walked away going, all right, now, now what do we do? How, how do we live as a disciple of Jesus Christ in our everyday life? How does your marriage or how does you at school, you at work, um, what, what does that look like? You at your house, what does that look like when you're a disciple of Jesus? And so uh, first week, we talked about that the most important thing is to spend time with Jesus. And we talked about doing that through prayer. And we talked about how to go from, from what might feel awkward in prayer to then automatic. And then last week, we talked about the importance of the Bible and reading the Bible. And we broke down the fact that the Bible, the entire Bible, centers around one main subject, which is Jesus Christ. And we kind of walked out of here, hopefully, with a new hunger for the Bible. We had a lot of people scan the QR code at the end of service and ask for reading plans. So we were sending reading plans out this week. I had people come up to me after the first service and ask for it. So we're going to get that to them. I do want to celebrate for a second. Uh, we had five people in Growth Track after the first service. Come on, put your hands together. 
And so I do want to take a second and say thank you to every Dream Team member. Thank you to you for, for stretching and making room for two services because people are continuing to come. We maxed out one service. We have room for growth now, and we're getting excited about what God's going to do in the summer and especially in the fall. Talk more about that as to come. But anyway, um, today I want to talk about, we talked about the Bible. We talked about prayer. Today I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, all right? Uh, sometimes I feel like the Holy Spirit can be misunderstood. I was talking to somebody before the first service about how they say that the worst translation uh, from, from Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic into English was the translation into the word Holy Ghost. It's because that it wasn't accurate into, it was, it was breath of fresh air. I won't get into all that right now. But the idea that because of that, it's kind of scared people off of the Holy Spirit. It's made people think it's weird. And for other reasons, people feel like the Holy Spirit's weird. And I'm going to show you today how it's important that you and I embrace the Holy Spirit. So John chapter 14, start reading at verse 15, and we'll get into this. Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Say, never leave you. He will never leave you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will never leave you, and he leads you into all truth. It goes on to say the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you, you believers, you know him because he lives with you now, and he will later be with you. He says, no, and I love this. Listen to what Jesus says. I will not abandon you as orphans. Now, here's why that's important. He's talking to the disciples, and he's giving them, you know, uh, uh, revelation that he is going to leave and ascend back to heaven. So they're freaking out. They're like, you know, it's real easy to live and follow Jesus when Jesus is right here with us. But the idea that you're leaving is scaring us. And so we're a little worried about what it's going to look like. And Jesus says, don't worry. I'm not going to abandon you as an orphan. I will come to you. So soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you also will live. He said, and when I'm raised to life again from the grave, you will know that I am in my Father. And you are in me, and I am in you. And those who accept my commandments and they obey them, they are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. I want to talk to you for a moment this morning from the idea, the key to change. The, the key to change. I think one of the most frustrating things for us in our world today is to want to change, to try to change, and then to end up failing at changing, right? There's something in our life we want to change. We want to, we want to be closer to God. We want to have a better prayer life. We want to read the Bible. We want to have, handle our finances better. We want to be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent. There, there's something in our life. We want to be a better student, just a better follower of God. There, there's something in our life that we want to change. And so we set out amongst ourselves because we've been taught that if we are a Christian and we go to church, that now all of a sudden we should be able to change. So we set out to change, and then we don't change, and we feel like we're failures at changing. And there's nothing more frustrating, and I think people are leaving the church by the droves because they're coming in expecting to be able to change themselves. They're trying to change themselves. They're not changing. They're getting frustrated, thinking there's something wrong with them, that they're broken, and then they walk out going, I guess it wasn't, it was all cracked up to be. I want you to understand this right here. A follower of Jesus is changed by Jesus. 
a follower of Jesus is not changed by them. They are changed by Jesus. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. So you've got uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he is the presence of God in the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God in the life of the believer. We no longer relate to God only as some high power who's outside of ourselves. God is no longer us down here, God up there, me on this little earth, God in heaven. Now because of the Holy Spirit, he transforms us from within so that we can become more like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? He said, you and the Father and me and you. Here's what he said. He said, I'm coming inside of you to change you to look like me. That's awesome. God inside of us to change. Through prayer, which we talked about week one, through the word of God, through relationship with God and his people, the church, which we'll talk about in a couple weeks, and through the Holy Spirit, the process of change for you and I becomes a reality. I believe as a follower of Jesus, you can change, and I even believe you are changing right now. Let's just think for a second about what's happening in the context of the scripture and the idea that Jesus is with the disciples and the very fact that Jesus is with the disciples for, for what we know at least three and a half years while he's prepping to go to the cross and doing his ministry. He's with the disciples every day and we begin to see change in the disciples. If you look at the day he met the disciples and you look at who they were once he ascends into heaven, you see change, right? But we also see kind of a journey and a process as you follow the Peters and the Andrews and you see as they go up and down, two, two steps forward, one step back and process of change, but Jesus was with them. Jesus was, was physically with them, which meant Jesus was their helper. If there was a moment in life that they needed help, Jesus was there to help. Hey, you need help? I got you. If they needed guidance, Jesus was there to guide them. If they needed correction, Jesus was there to correct them. If they needed to be reminded of the scriptures and of the power of God, Jesus was there to remind them. If they wanted to know how to pray, Jesus was there to teach them how to pray. Jesus was there, but now Jesus has gone. And the disciples are like, wait a minute, how are we going to follow you when you're not here? How are we going to continue to be transformed like you if you're not here? And here's what Jesus said, you ready? He said, it is better for you. It's better. Everybody say, better. It is better for you if I go. And they're like, wait, what? What is that even? If right now Darla said to me, babe, I'm going out of town for a week and you're going to be left with the kids. And I was like, huh? Why? And she was like, honey, it's better for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> Don't listen to that. Amen. That's blasphemy. I'm like, it's not better for me. Jesus, what are you talking about? And the reason Jesus is saying that is because if Jesus was right here today in the present, he would be with us but he couldn't be in the other places in his physical form. So he said, my physical form is leaving, but my spirit is coming. And now my spirit will be omnipresent. He will be with us and he'll be with the church over there and he'll be with the city down there and the country over there. And now he's everywhere transforming us into the likeness of Christ. It's better that he physically goes because now he's inside of us. I, I think many people come to church looking for change. They may be at the end of their rope or whatever the scenario is, and they walk in and things aren't the way they want them to be, and so they're looking for change, and they stay a while, 
They might stay a Sunday, two Sundays, and, and then they leave and they're dissatisfied. And they're saying, something's missing. Maybe you've been to church before and you're finally trying it again for the first time. And maybe you've even been coming to this church for a couple of weeks and you're like, I just, some, I just feel like something's, something's missing. I would tell you that, yes, something is missing, but it's not something, it's someone. That what God gave us to be able to impact us and change us and transform us, if we're not careful, we can come to church and never fully embrace it. If the enemy is really good at making it weird and confusing so that we stray away from it instead of embracing it, we'll walk away from the presence of God in our lives. He's in us. He's inside of us. So if somebody's walking into the church world and says, man, something's missing, I'll tell you it's not something, it's someone. It's the Holy Spirit. There are many ways that the Holy Spirit works in the lives of Christians. And as I sit down to write this sermon, I'm like, man, there's, there's, I was talking to a couple after the first service, and I was encouraging them to just go study the Holy Spirit. I think I'm going to do a series on it maybe next year because there's so much. He's the comforter. He's the helper. I mean, there's just so many different things. But I just kept coming back to there's this one common goal that I feel like you and I really need to get clear, and it's the one common goal that the Holy Spirit is who makes us more like Jesus Christ. We don't make ourselves more like Jesus. If you could make yourself more like Jesus, guess what? You'd be more like Jesus, right? It's, we don't make ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit who makes us more like Christ. So you might ask, why, why do we need, Troy? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? If we're going to set out to follow Jesus and we're praying and we're reading our Bible, why do we need the Holy Spirit? I'm going to give you three things today that I think he does I'm not saying they're the most important. I'm just saying when it comes to following Jesus, we definitely need to understand these three things. Number one is this. He guides us. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia, and he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia. And in chapter 5, this is what he says. He's, listen to me. Before you read this, he's already prepped the church of Galatia with the understanding that they are not... Um, that they are free from the law of sin, that they have been saved by the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, and that they are made righteous in Christ. He's already set all of this up. So he's saying as a result of that, as, of the, as a result of the idea that you are righteous in Christ, not in yourself, the idea that Jesus has given you his mercy, his grace, and that you are saved and you are a son of God, reconciled to God. Because of this, listen, as of that, because of that, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now that you understand that it's not about you, now that you understand that you are not operating in religion and law, now that you understand that you are righteous in Christ, because of that, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He says, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Well, why not? Because the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants to do. Now that you are set free by the Son of God, allow the Holy Spirit, which is God in you, to guide your life. Here's another way to say it. Jesus was God beside the disciples. The Holy Spirit is God inside the disciples. Did you catch it? So Jesus, had we been alive in that day, Jesus would have been God beside us. But today, Jesus is, or Holy Spirit is God inside of us. So you ready? You ready? The Holy Spirit, guess what? It's not your conscience. 
It's Christ. It's not your conscience. You know what I'm talking about? You ever had that memory? Like, I don't, something just didn't, something didn't feel right. <laughs> my, my conscience told me. It's not your conscience. It's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit trying to guide us. And these new cars in this day and age, I don't know if y'all have seen this now, but they got these little things in the rear view um, or in the side mirrors that when a car is pulling up, it'll alert you. Have y'all seen that? Any of y'all rich enough to drive one of those? You know, it, it just lets you know. It just alerts you. They're not, they're not about to run into you. They're not swerving into your lane. They're just alerting you, letting you know like, hey, just letting you know there's another car right there. Just, just in case you decide to change lanes, just letting you know. Just letting you know. Somebody's there. Just, just, I'm just looking out for you. Just letting you know. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what he'll do in our life if we allow him. He will guide us and just let us know. Like, hey, I, I, you're not about to, I'm just letting you know. Just letting you know. I'm just alerting you. Just letting you know. Probably should get off TikTok. Just letting you know. <laughs> just letting you know. Probably shouldn't text him back. Just letting you know. Going deeper here, you know. Probably need to leave her alone. Just letting you know. Just, just letting you know. Just letting you know. Just letting you know. Why? Because the Holy Spirit knows the plans God has for your life. And so he's just letting you know. He's just letting you know. That, that that's, there's danger over it. I'm just alerting you. I'm just letting, if you let the Holy Spirit guide your life, he's just letting us know. The Holy Spirit is the one who alerts us when we're about to do something opposite of God's will for our life. The Holy Spirit is fully aware of what God wants for your marriage. The Holy Spirit is fully aware of what God wants for your career, of what God wants for your relationships, God wants for your finances, God wants for your impact in the school. God is fully aware of all of this, and the Holy Spirit just wants to alert us because he wants to guide us into all that God has for us. But here's what I'm learning. If we can label the Holy Spirit a conscience, it's easier to ignore it if we understand it's Christ, right? It's easier to kind of look the other way. But the Holy Spirit is there because he wants to guide us. It's the Christ inside of you. It's the God inside of you that's saying, hey, hey, just letting you know, don't go that way. There's something better for you this way. The first job I ever had was at Putt-Putt Golfing Games. It's in Memphis, Tennessee. I don't, I don't even know that it exists anymore. Had you seen the condition of it when I worked there last, you would know it was going down, okay? Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's golf carts. It's putt-putt golf. It's that kind of deal. Uh, I was 16, 17 years old. First job, I was working picnics and things. And they came up to me one day, and they said, we want you to be the mascot. And so I'm like, okay, you know, because I've got the favor of the Lord on my life. It just sounds like this is what we should do. So they bring me into the changing room, and the first thing they hand me are these clown shoes. They're like this big, this big old golf clown shoes. Then they make me put on these yellow tights. I'm talking about tight, tight, all right? You're like, your pants are tight now. No, tighter, I mean, like hair sticking out tight, okay? So I put those on, and then there's this massive foam golf ball thing that then I put on, and I've got little armholes, and I'm just, this is me, all right? And I'm, I'm, I think his name was like Putty or something, but here's the catch to him, that you can't see out here. There, there's absolutely no way for you to see. On the outside, it's his eyes and his mouth, but they didn't think, you know, proactive enough to give me a way to see. And so the only way I can see is to turn sideways and look out my armhole. You know what I mean? I'm just like, what you doing, girl? You know, just, yeah, so, so they go and get me, get me all dressed up. They bring me out. 
And they put with me a guide. And so this person's responsibility is to stay with me and walk with me and let me know what I'm doing and where I need to go. So if I start to get off path, that person can be like, step a little bit to your left. And I'm like, okay, thank you, because I can't see. You know what I mean? Or walk up like, hey, there's a kid coming up. You need to be ready to address the kid. I'm like, okay, thank you, because I can't see. And so here's the problem is that at Putt-Putt, majority of their employees are 16-year-old teenagers, right? And most of them are being driven by their hormones. So the guy that's been given to me to guide me is a 16-year-old guy with hormones. And so we're walking around Putt-Putt, and there's girls everywhere. And so he's like, hey, man, I'll be right back. And he goes to talk to some girls, and I'm just standing here like this, just putty. Just here I am, buddy, Mr. Putty. And so the kids are walking up to me, and they're hugging me, and they're like, Mr. Putty, you're my hero. You know, and I'm like, thanks, kid. Love you. And I'm just sitting here doing all just kind of waiting, you know, hot, sweating, pretty similar to right now. Just, just like, I just want to get away. I just want it to end. And finally, I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I don't, I'm looking around, right? I'm like, I don't see no kids. Like, we're good to go. But here's the problem. Because of them big, you know, clown shoes, I got to step like that to walk. So that's how I look when I walk. So I'm standing here, and I'm like, all right, I'm good to go. So I start moving because my guide is way over there chit-chatting with some girls. So I'm moving, you know, I'm trying to get my shake on. going, And all of a sudden, I realized that this little bitty kid had come up to hug me, and I didn't see him. So I kicked him in the face, and then I stepped on him in the process, all right? So I'm just walking, killing the kid. It's a death at putt-putt. You know, cops are being called. People are crying. Your dad's dead. Your mom's dead. You know, everybody's dead. It's just, it's just terrible. I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, my guide runs over, and he's like, what did you do? I'm like, what did you do? You left me here in a golf ball, all right? I'm killing kids. This is, nobody's ever going to remember this, right? This kid's never coming back to Papa ever again. My point to tell you that story is that we all need a guide, right? If we're not careful, if you and I are just left to walk on our own, we cannot see the promises of God always. We cannot see the goal and the path that God has. So we're just kind of left to do our own thing and we'll get ourselves in trouble. But God has given us a guide. Jesus said, I'm leaving, but don't worry. I'm sending you someone who will walk with you, who will talk with you, who will guide you, who will say that's not the best thing for you. You shouldn't go right. You should go left. You shouldn't turn there. Something bad can happen. He may not stop it, but he's going to say, listen, I don't think you should do it. If you just listen to the Holy Spirit, he guides us in the process. He's in us. He's in you. God, you didn't get saved, and now God's sitting up in heaven waiting for you to perform correctly. And as you don't perform, he just thumps you off the side. He said, not only, not only have I saved you, not only have I made you righteous, I'm going to send somebody to walk with you, to guide you into the promises that I have for you. And when the enemy tries to come and distract you, I'm going to beep, beep, I'm going to alert you and let you know, don't go that Here's another way to say it. The Holy Spirit is not essential to live the life that we have planned, but he is essential to live the life that God has planned for us. Whatever we have planned for us, the truth of the matter is, we probably don't need the power of God to accomplish it. So he's not essential for our plan, but he is essential for the plan God has for our life. Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, says this. He says, if I were Satan... And my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and his purposes. One of my main strategies 
would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. If I was Satan, I would confuse people about the Holy Spirit. I would scare people. I'd make it weird. I'd make it in such a way that when people come in, they go, this isn't one of them Holy Spirit churches. <laughs> and I'd make people want to avoid the Holy Spirit and instead follow God and chase after God and not accept God being in them and living with them. If I was trying to stop people from experiencing all that God has for their life, if I was trying to stop people from embracing and walking into all that God has for them, I would do whatever I could to make them ignore and avoid the Holy Spirit because he guides us. He guides us. The second thing he does is he changes us. This is probably my favorite point because I grew up most of my religious life thinking that I had to change myself, thinking that now that I'm a Christian and I attend church, I need to be better. And every time I would, you know, sometimes I would make a couple steps forward in that direction, then I'd take a couple steps back. A lot of times it was one step forward, two steps back. You know, and I'm not going to do that anymore. And then before you know it, I'd do it. And being able to really grasp and understand the scripture and understanding what I'm about to show you was life-changing for me. Galatians chapter 5, Paul's still talking. Watch what he says. He brings up the idea of these fruits of the Spirit. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And he lists them. Watch this. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He goes on to say that this is the result of the Holy Spirit. Now, for a lot of Christians, we've kind of got this mindset that once we become a Christian, we're just going to walk through life with this desire to change based off of discipline and determination, right? For too many believers, life boils down, watch this, to simply go out and do the best you can. Go out and be the best you can. I don't know. Figure it out. Be determined. Be disciplined. Do this. Do that. Do that. And we kind of leave with this excitement. But watch this. We start to see change. Then we mess up. And we go, I guess I was never changed to begin with. There must have been, there must have been nothing that ever actually happened in my life to begin with. Instead of understanding that the power of change comes from the Holy Spirit. Let me show you what I mean. Paul said that the Holy Spirit will produce fruit. Did you see that? That It doesn't say that you and I will produce fruit. It says the Holy Spirit will produce this fruit. So the more I studied it, watch this. Here's, here's how I summed it up. The fruits of the Spirit are not a command that we are to behave, but a promise that we will become. It's not a command. It doesn't say now that you're a Christian, go and be. It says, now that you're a Christian, he's in you, and you will become. Don't go out. It's not a command for you to be a better person. It's a promise that God is in you, and he is changing you, and he is working in you. And if you will just trust him, you will begin to see the change. I'll show it to you. Th throw me that real quick, Chris. Thank you, sir. This is a banana, okay? It's not doing well, but it's a banana. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that of all of the things in the world that Paul could have used to describe this, he used fruit. I thought that was interesting. And I, and I, I went down a couple of different paths. 
One of the paths I thought about, because I know a lot about growing vegetables through Chris, and, you know, he'll tell me stories, you know, he'll go and get seeds, and he'll come back and plant a seed, and he does a few things, obviously dealing with sunlight and water and all that, but he's never actually responsible for that seed turning into fruit. He doesn't know how that, how that works. I mean, I understand that he can read, you know, books and learn the process, but nobody's under the dirt watching it happen, you know what I mean? It's a process in which that seed is producing fruit. Now, he does have a role to play. It's up to him on what the atmosphere of that situation is. Is it getting enough sunlight? Does it have enough water? He can manage the atmosphere as can we. Am I reading scripture? Am I in the presence of God? Am I around believers? Am I watching? You know, again, there's guidance. But the change that's happening is a production that's happening through the Holy Spirit. He is producing fruit in you. He's producing it. He's, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this. This is a branch. It's not doing well either. But I need you to participate for a second. Are any, would, would any of you be upset if this branch was not producing fruit? Anybody? First service was way more participating. Why would you not? It's no root. It's not attached to the tree, right? As I sit up here and hold it, you're not like, I don't know why fruit's not coming from that. That's weird. It's supposed to be producing fruit. No, because it's detached from the tree. So nobody's surprised. Watch. Nobody blames the branch because the branch isn't what produces the fruit. The branch is just the benefactor of it. It's what the branch is attached to that produces the fruit. Do you catch where I'm going? So here's the deal. Jesus once called us the branch. And he said to you and I, the only responsibility that we have in seeing growth, watch this, is to abide. It's to abide. Just stay connected. The fruit, this is so good, the fruit is produced automatically by the Holy Spirit. Well, what do I have to do? Do I have to behave? No, just abide. Just stay in the presence of God. Just connect to God. And through that connection, what will start to happen in you is something that is going on that you can't explain. And you can help the atmosphere by all means. Let some sunlight get in, put some water on it. But the Holy Spirit is working inside of you and is producing change in your life. I want you to understand that we cannot will ourselves to change. We need someone more powerful than ourselves. I was talking to somebody in this church that was in a toxic relationship. They came up to me and they asked me to pray for them. And they were asking me to pray for the relationship to be better. But I knew that that's not what this person needed. They needed that relationship to end. And so I just started praying in favor of God over her life. God, I pray you'd speak to her. You know, just kind of being generic enough to her, but I, God knew clearly what I was doing. I didn't say anything to her. I didn't say, you need to get out of this relationship. You need to change. I didn't say any of that to her. Just gave her a hug, said, we love you. Hope to see you next week. Next week, she came back in church. Service was over. She came to me after the service. 
She started speaking about that relationship. She said, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to stay in this relationship. I said, oh, you say, isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, would you look at that? Yeah. I said, well, hey, yeah, you know, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Keep praying. Next week, she came back. Service. And this, this is recent, so I, I, I'm not addressing these things from the pulpit. You see what I'm saying? It's the Holy Spirit. After service, she went up to Darla, expressed to her that she wanted to end that relationship. Now, please watch this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts the unbeliever of, their, of sin. For the righteous, for, for the believer, we are reminded by the Holy Spirit that we are righteous in Christ. Okay, so I didn't have to say anything to her. I didn't have to call that out. The Holy Spirit in her is doing that. The Holy Spirit is working. We're just preaching the gospel. We're just reading the word. We're just worshiping God. We're in his presence. And she walks out and goes, ah, something ain't right. It's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And then over time, because she's abiding and she's present, that Holy Spirit begins to work and change. I got a word for you, church. Stop trying to change yourself and abide in the presence of God. Abide in Christ. Be patient, be faithful, and watch the Holy Spirit begin to move in your life and things will begin to change and fruit will begin to produce and at some point you'll look and somebody will go, how did you? And you're like, I don't know. I had the worst language as a kid. Me and my father, we both just had terrible language, not towards each other, but just we kind of teamed up with each other against other people. I remember when I decided to start following Jesus and I had abided in God for, for months. I remember I was in the car with my dad one day and I looked over him and I said, Dad, I don't want to cuss anymore. And he was the best dad. And he's just like, okay, well, I won't cuss anymore either. He's like, but, but why? I was like, I don't really know. I was so new to this. I was like, I don't really know. But it's just, it's not the same to me anymore. Some, something's different in me. Used to, when I did it, it wasn't no big thing, but now it bothers me. Something's different. i, I be honest with you, y'all. I didn't set out to change that. I just set out to try to abide in Jesus. And the more I abide in Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit inside of me changes me. And I just want to set you free for a second. Because maybe you've been trying really hard to change something and you're exhausted because it's not changing. Listen, stop doing that. Just go abide in Jesus. Abide in Jesus. And the more you abide in Jesus, the more that Holy Spirit's going to change and it's going to start producing the fruits of the Spirit. See why the enemy would want us to not relate to him or get involved with him? Because when we do, he guides us and he changes us, right? Here's the last thing I want to talk about. He gives us more of God. He gives us more of God. Watch this. Jesus is talking. John chapter 16. He says, look, there's so much more I want to tell you. So much more I've got to tell you about the Father. He said, but I can't right now. Because you can't bear it right now. 
All of this is enough right now. I'm about to die. I'm about to resurrect. Like, this is enough, okay? Can't, can't bear it. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard, and he'll tell you about the future. For every person in here that is trying to abide in God and live for God, guess what? There are parts of God you haven't even tapped yet. There's more of God. There's more of God for your marriage. There's more of God for your kids. There's more of God for you high school students. There's more of God for those of you that are single and trying to find them. There's more of God for grandmas and grandpas, for aunties and uncles. There's more of God in regards to your dreams. There's more of God in regards to your friends. There's more of God in regards to this church. There is more of God. Even the scriptures, the Bible actually says that there was so much that Jesus did it couldn't even fit into the scriptures. There's more of God. Well, how do I get it? Through the Holy Spirit. There's so much more to the relationship of God and the love of God and the mercy of God. And the more you read and abide in him and search him, the more it's revealed to you. And you go, I didn't even know that about God. Oh, my God. It's it's exciting. It's exciting. Because I'm not chasing him to change myself. I'm chasing him to learn more about him. And in the process, he changes me. Darnell and I got the opportunity a few years ago to go to Colorado City to see this ministry. And they put us up in Vegas. That's where they housed us. And I'd always heard that in Vegas, you should go to these buffets. You know, I mean, they're like these big buffets, ridiculous amount of food. And, uh, you know, if I'm paying for it, I ain't going, you know, but, you know. So I said, let's go try this out. So we go to try it out. And Darla and I, we, we go during the brunch time frame. Time frame we go. And so you got breakfast and you got lunch, right? Because that's what we need. Two meals. So I get my plate and I go in and y'all, I'm grabbing everything. It's like French toast and waffles, bread seven different ways. You know what I mean? Biscuit. I want it all rolls, donuts. I'm getting eggs three ways. I'm getting potatoes three ways. I got a bowl of cereal and a bowl of yogurt. You know what I mean? I'm just sitting down. I got it all. Donna's like, you hungry? I'm like, you just wait. So I destroy it. I eat it all. She's still working on like, you know, her kale. And so I'm, I'm eating it, enjoying it done with it. And I'm like, I'm going up for lunch. And so I get up and I go get another plate and I get pizza and I get like shrimp and grits and squash and potatoes. I get bone marrow because that's what you do when other people are paying for it. You know what I mean? I'm getting it all. I'm just kidding. It was all included. I'm not that person. But I, anyway, I was getting it all. I came back. I ate all of that. Then I looked up at Darla. She was still on her first plate. I said, I'm going for dessert. And so I got up and I went back for dessert. Now, don't y'all judge me, all right? I don't want to hear it. Like, that's why I'm doing P90X as we speak. And so I go up and I'm getting getting all this dessert. I come back, eat the dessert. You say, Troy, why are you telling us that? Because no matter what I experienced, watch this, there was still something out there that I had not tried. I had had the breakfast and I had the lunch and I had the dessert 
and I was eating off a Darla's plate. I was like, what is that? I ain't getting any of that. Let me try that right there because there was more. I'm telling you, when it comes to the presence of God, when it comes to the Spirit of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, there's more. There's more. You just keep searching. Keep searching. Listen, some of us, some of us, we've had the breakfast aspect of God, but we hadn't touched the lunch part. Some of us, we've had breakfast and we've had lunch, but we haven't touched the dessert part. Some of us have breakfast, lunch, dessert, but there's still something out there we haven't tried. He's alive. He's bigger. He's greater. He wants to change you. He wants to infill you. He wants to remind you that you're the righteousness of Christ. There's more. For every person that's new to Christ, there's more. For every person that's been living for Jesus for 30 years, there's more. There's more. You say, well, how exactly, how exactly do we get this? Like what membership program what behavior process, how many scripture verses do I need to memorize, how many Royal Ranger patches do I need to get, you know what I mean, like what's, what's my check system here so that I can experience the Holy Spirit, how do I get that, because I want him to guide me, and I want him to change me, and I want more of God, and I'm hungry for God, what do I, what do I got to do, Troy, tell me what class, what day does it start, what time does it start, I would tell you what Luke 11 verse 13 says, now, before this happened, Jesus was making a point. He said that you give good gifts to your children, and there's bad in you. So how much more does our Father in heaven want to give good gifts, right? But watch what he says. so powerful. How much more? Thank you, Jesus. Will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to who? Those who ask him. How many Bible verses do I have to memorize? No, you just got to ask him. How many membership classes do I have to attend? You don't, just ask him. What do I got to do? Just ask him. God, I need your Holy Spirit. I want your presence in me, Father. I want you to guide me. I want you to change me. I want more of you. Come on, everybody in this room, stand with me for a second. Worship team, I'm going to invite you up. In a minute, we're going to do a church-wide prayer asking for more of God, more of God in our marriages, more of God in our finances, more of God in our relationships, in our career life, in our dreams, more of God. Before we do that, though, and I've been doing this, and it's been great, I'm going to put a QR code on the screen, and I want to challenge everybody in here to scan this QR code. Here's what's going to happen. When you scan it, it gives you five choices. You can choose to follow Jesus. You can get baptized in water. You can ask for a Bible reading plan. You can join a small group or start one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and you can attend Growth Track and get on a dream team. You say, what is that about? Everybody in this room needs to be taking a next step. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you need to be baptized. If you've been baptized in water, you need to be reading your Bible. If you're reading your Bible, you need to be in one-on-one -on -one discipleship. You need to be in a small group. You need to be on a dream team. You need to have community and fellowship. Two weeks, we've had over 20 people scan this, and we've, look, we've assigned five people to one-on-one -on -one discipleship. We've seen people give their life to Jesus. We've signed up people for water baptism. We've had people join small groups. Had people go through growth track. Because everybody in here, there's a next step we can take to experience more of Jesus. Amen? 
So I'm going to challenge you to do that. But right now, close your eyes. We're going to ask, as a church, for the Holy Spirit to come in this place and to let us experience more of God. Listen, if it's always been religion for you, it changes today. It's relationship. Jesus said, it's better that I go because I'm sending one so that God can be inside of you. Well, how does that happen? Jesus says, just ask. So, Father, right now, we just ask. Come on, ask in your own way. Father, we just want more of you. Just say, I just want more of you, more of a relationship with you, more revelation of you, more of you in my everyday life, more understanding of you. Father, I ask for your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit to come in and guide me. Father, to change me, to lead me, to remind me that I am righteous in Christ, to help me, to comfort me. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to ask Him, Father. We want more.